0: So we have in our readings today the great question of God's law and of fulfilling God's law. What needs to be established first is what is established in the book of Sirach, and that's that God's law is just good. So he only wants good things. He knows you. He knows what's best for you. So his law, his commandments, those are for your good. That's not for him. That's for you. For your own flourishing, that you might be fully alive. Please remember that he made you, he understands you, he knows the deepest depths of you, and he wants you to become fully alive. The glory of God is what? Man fully alive. So his law and commandments, they're just good. We don't always believe that. In fact, you're constantly tempted, maybe consistently tempted, to believe that God doesn't want what's best for you. That was the original sin, was not trusting that God's law was good. But the truth is, oh, it's, it's very good, and it's for your good. The book of Sirach says, um, whether or not we trust and and keep God's law is as putting our hand into fire or into water. So to keep God's law is to put your hand into water. It brings cleansing. It's, It's just good. To not follow God's law, to reject it, is to put your hand into fire. That's the difference. So this is, it's really important, but it leads to whether we flourish or not. Jesus talks about being thrown into Gehenna. What is, what is Gehenna? In Jerusalem, there is a valley just down from the Temple Mount. It's kind of to the south and to the west. And in this valley, in, in prior days, there was a lot of um, idolatrous worship that took place. Worship of false gods. Some of the worship that was done was, was pretty horrendous. Things like people offering their babies to fire to get God to listen to them. Literally, they would burn their children. Is, is one form of worship that ha- happened in the, this valley, this valley of Gehenna. Eventually, uh, through the reforms of the kings, the, the, the valley was destroyed, and all these temples were destroyed, and it became the dump, which in some ways was seen as the only fitting place to put in this place where, where horrible things had happened. So Gehenna is Jerusalem's trash dump, where literal, there's just garbage and fire all the time. So people would burn burn their garbage. There was always fire going on there, And there's worms, like, eating rotten things. So this is Jesus' image of, of what it's like when we don't keep God's law. It's like this filthy, depraved, rotting, burning valley of death. This is not to be threatening, but this is to say, oh, God wants good. He doesn't want anything evil for you. He is for you, not against you. So to lead us into the path of life, God gives us what's called the law. What is the law? When the scriptures talk about the law, primarily it means this is the commandments and the instructions given to Moses as the people are leaving Egypt, right? They're brought out of Egypt through the mighty deeds of God, and in the desert they're given the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law, and the law is for their life. Um, so the law is good. It's really good, and if we keep it, we'll live. We'll find fulfillment. There's only one problem. Nobody could do it. Nobody. It, it just wasn't possible. No human being was capable of completely fulfilling the law. We're, we're just too weak. So the law, that's a beautiful good thing that says, like, here's how you live. Here's how you become fully alive. In some ways became a curse. Paul talks about it as a curse. There's nothing wrong with the law. But when we try to live the law and we fail, it feels like a curse because we just sense our own helplessness and our inability to do it. It turns out we don't just need information. Even if somebody had the law totally memorized, they knew all of the commandments of the law, that still didn't help them. They, They still couldn't fulfill it. And so the law ended up being a form of accusation. It just showed them the ways in which they failed. So it's impossible to keep the law. It just can't be done. So Jesus shows up. failing, and Jesus comes up, and he's talking about mercy and love, and uh, when he starts the Sermon on the Mountain, he takes a seat as a teacher, and in some ways is presenting himself as the new Moses. He sits down on the mountaintop to tell people how to live. So there's certain things he's doing that reminds the people of the story of Moses, and they think maybe he's the new prophet that's going to give us maybe a different law, because we're not doing so good with this one. So then we get to this part of our reading, and Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law. I've come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen. I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. So Jesus is not getting rid of the law. The law that was already too hard to keep that nobody could do He's like, no, I'm not getting rid of of any of that. In fact, I'm going to make things seemingly, at first glance, even more difficult. Because then the reading continues, and he says, "You have heard that it was said." When he says, "You have heard that it was said," he's he's referring to the law. You have heard that it was said, "You shall not kill." But I say to you, what? Go ahead and kill? No. He says, "Whoever is angry with his brother is liable to judgment." So it's not just enough to just not externally do violence to others. It's like you can't even have violence in your heart. It's like he's making the law more complicated. For a moment, it feels even heavier. It's like, hey, Jesus, we weren't doing so good before. And now you're putting harder mandates and commandments on us. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Okay. But I say... Everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. So not only is it not, is it, is it not okay to externally do things that are inappropriate with, with a person, no, even if you carry that desire towards a person in your heart, that too is against the law. That too is sin. So, I mean, as you hear Jesus, it could feel like, uh, like, what are we supposed to do? The law was really hard. St. Paul calls it the law of sin and death because it just convinces us that we're sinners and it convinces us that, like, we're going to die, like we can't keep this law. And then Jesus seemingly makes it even more difficult. And also, nobody could keep the law before and now it's becoming even more deeper and internal. It has to do with the movements of our hearts. Jesus also says, if your righteousness does not surpass that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven who were the scribes and Pharisees? To everybody's eyes, the scribes and the Pharisees were like the, the professional church folks. They were the religious, most religious people around. He says, if your righteousness isn't better than theirs, you're not going to heaven. So at first glance, it looks like, well, guess we're doomed. Guess we'll go home, because this is impossible. And it is impossible. Even today, you can't keep the law. You can't do it. So why is this good news? I say the gospel of the Lord. That means good news. And you say, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Then what's going on? Okay, Jesus said, I came not to abolish, but to fulfill. Only one person can fulfill the law. Who is it? It's Jesus. Now, are you required to fulfill the law? Yeah. Can you do it? No. So then what has to happen? well then Jesus has to live in you. He has to become alive in you and live your life in you because he's the only one that can do it. Your life and Jesus' life have to become one life. But once Jesus is in you and alive in you, oh folks, buckle up. Because you can do anything. So this is good news. What's the good news? is that you can't keep the law, but that's okay because Jesus can and he wants to keep the law in you. He wants to live his life in you. I don't think we have any way of fathoming how deep and true this is. St. Paul says, because he had this deep, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Do you believe, brothers and sisters, do you believe that Christ lives in you? Because he does. Sometimes we don't let him live in us. He's just kind of constrained. He can't do much because we don't let him. But he is alive in you. So only Jesus and his life in us can actually keep the commandments, can actually live the law, can actually make us holy, which also means that when Jesus is seemingly making the law um, even more demanding and, and precise, that's good news because Jesus gives us the power to fulfill it, which means Jesus doesn't want you to just be free from like, external violence. No, he actually wants to heal your heart so you don't even feel violent towards other people. So you don't carry hatred anymore. It's not fun to carry hatred towards another person. Amen? It's of it's deep misery. Jesus wants to be, you to be free of that. So these new requirements, this increased, uh, in some ways, depth and difficulty of the law is good news because Jesus is showing us how deeply he wants you to be just totally free. He doesn't want you to just settle with be pure. So that you don't try to take from others you don't try to use them for your own purpose that you could be free he doesn't want you to carry hatred in your heart he wants to bless your marriages he wants that to be a sign of his love and his fidelity so it's all good news because it's a sign of the greatness that you and i are destined for if we allow christ to live in us he wants everything to be filled with love what was the problem with the scribes and Pharisees? Remember, Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. What was going on with the scribes and Pharisees is they were trying to do God's law without God. They were trying to follow all the rules without coming to know and love God himself, which is the greatest tragedy because you're destined for God. To, be, to keep all the rules and not know God is, well, first it's impossible, but also it's just the biggest tragedy because... You just missed the point. The point is to know and love God and to be united to him. The scribes and Pharisees are seemingly doing pretty much everything right on the outside, but they're hollow inside. They don't have love. Jesus wants you to be just totally love. And you can't do it. But he can It's good news. So we really need to put to bed this idea that Christianity is about learning the things and then trying hard to do it all right. That is not Christianity. That's the law. That's what Jesus came to fulfill and transform because it doesn't work. You will not be saved by information and your will to do it right. Sometimes there's this idea of if I read the right books, if I learn the right things, if I listen to the right speakers, then I'll just try hard and I'll do it and I'll be saved. No, that's not how this works. No, we need Jesus Christ. We need him alive in us. We need him to live our life in us and to save us. We need to be saved. God save us. Amen. Okay. Letting Jesus live his life in you probably will not feel like a superpower most of the time. We want it to. We want Jesus to come in and then we're like leaping tall buildings with a single bound and like doing cool stuff and like I feel so strong. Usually, that's not how it works. Usually allowing God to live in us feels like weakness because it's dependence upon another. Letting Jesus live in my life means saying to Jesus, Jesus, I can't do it, so you have to. I need your help. I need you to heal me. I need you to guide me. I need you to give me wisdom. Following God's law, holiness, feels a lot like weakness because it's saying, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. He has to. It's dependence It's surrender. Jesus said to St. Paul, my power is made perfect in weakness. That doesn't mean like God wants you to just be a pathetic human being. That's not what that means. No, it means that we are saying, I myself can't do it, so Jesus, I'm turning to you so that your power can flow through me. It feels like weakness, but it's true strength. It's holiness. Okay, you cannot keep the law. No matter how much you learn, you can't save yourself. You can't fix the world. You cannot do it. It is impossible. The only person that can is Jesus Christ. But good news, you and he are one. He is alive in you, and he can do all things in you. For man, it is impossible. But not for God. For God, all things are possible. Yeah, so Jesus wants to bring healing and freedom deeper than we can possibly imagine and thank God for it. So when we hear his commandments, we should think of it less as this is what you have to do or else you're punished, and more of Jesus' plan for you. He's like, this is what I'm going to do once I'm alive in you, is I'm going to set you free from all of it, from resentment, from hatred, from brokenness, from pain, from lust, from from grasping. I'm going to set you free from all of it. Only he has the power to do it, but he does have the power to do it, and he has a plan and a desire to do it in you here and now. I'll give you a moment to pray. Um, You can pray about whatever you want, but at some point, I'd like you to invite Jesus to live in you, to live his life in you. And maybe tell him like, yeah, Jesus, I feel pretty weak. There's a lot of this I I just can't do. But I I ask you to come do it in me, to live your life in me. I can't, but I believe that you can, so so I trust you. Jesus, please come, come live your life in me.